Hello, bienvenue and welcome to Oblivious Book Review, the podcast where we speak about our recent readings and a lot of other things. Today, your hosts are Sander and Elio. And today we are going to speak about Latitude Zero by Mike Horn. Hello, Sander. Hello, Elio. How are you today? I am doing great. And how about mm. you? I'm doing very great. A lot of good news. Life going forward. I must say, like right now, this is a very good period uh, in my life. It's very nice. Oh, and good yeah, good to hear. Good to hear. I like when life is a bit um, not with momentum, but it's moving a bit. Mm -hmm. Although uh, my life moving is not uh, necessarily as moving as the life from the guy I'm going to talk about today. Smooth, smooth, smooth oh, transition. <laughs> That's a really good transition to the uh, to the book for you. Yeah, exactly. So I think in this uh, still uh, lockdown time for many people, it's good to give a bit of uh, mind opening and... Uh, Thinking about the outside world, remember we live in a big world, we tend to forget sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to speak about um, Latitude Zero, okay. a book from uh, Mike Horn. I don't know if you know about him. No, where, where does he come from? Uh, so originally he's from South Africa, uh -huh. but he lives in uh, Switzerland. Okay. okay, okay. This great country. Uh, Interesting. And so... This guy is like a famous, but not so famous actually, modern adventurer. Uh -huh. And he like, he's pushing away like a human, human limits. He's amazing. And he seems to be a very nice guy as well. What is a, what is a modern uh, adventurer? He's a, someone that explores places or just go to, to places just for like the, the thrill of it and just the physical challenge mm -hmm. and mental challenge because there is no real reason to, to go to places like we cannot explore the entire world now. There is no, not so many places to explore still, no. but he's going to places just to show that it's possible to, for a human to cross this or this area. Mm. And I guess to get, uh, to get his kick, I think he's very addicted to extreme adrenaline now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, for example, what is he doing? Well, uh, Latitude Zero is yeah. one of his uh, biggest achievements, but not the only one. Like he, he went to many places. But why it's called Latitude Zero is because this guy decided to go around the world mm. following the equator. Like not, he cannot go more than 50 kilometers away from uh, like north or south of the uh, equator. Mm -hmm. Like he's following this line around the globe. And so this, which is the adventure that is told in the book, is going to take him through the Atlantic Ocean, mm. through the Amazon forest, with like, everyone said, like, you cannot cross the Amazon forest by foot. Are mm. you crazy? Mm. Well, of course, he did. <laughs> everyone before him would try, they died. Mm -hmm. So he did. Then he had to cross the Pacific Ocean until he go to some uh, Indonesian islands to cross the, ocean, the Indian Ocean. And then he had to cross through Africa to mm -hmm. go back to um, uh, Congo, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Congo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so, like, that's, that's the trip. He starts from Congo, whoop, around the world, and he goes back to Congo. Easy money, right? How, uh, <laughs> how long did it uh, take it for, uh, the journey for him? In total, it was 17 months. Oh, that's pretty okay, I would say. Yeah? I thought it was long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one and more, yeah, one, more than one, one and a half year. Yeah. But, um,. Yeah. The, one of the longest uh, parts was going into um, the Amazonian. Yeah. It took five months <laughs> to cross the Amazonian where he like barely had any contact with his family. Yeah. So why did I choose to speak about that book? It's a book I read uh, some time ago, actually, and I, I really liked it. I read it before myself going on the most uh, expedition thing of my life, which was like going to Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was quite an adventure for me. Uh, it's, I think like it's, yes, yeah, the most... Uh, adventure things i've lived in my life although mm. it's nowhere as close as what he has done he mm. made everything like he crossed oceans mountains forests uh, deserts like he, he went through all the risk mm. and so i got reminded about this book <clears throat> when uh, i realized that they made a movie about it i didn't okay. know like a documentary so there is a movie about a... It. yeah oh. it's even available on youtube so if you want to check it out later it's pretty cool huh could be always interesting to watch this type yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> this type of <laughs> movies or documentaries but uh, wh yeah. what was the main main reason for him to do this um, just uh, for himself or or uh, uh, certain to achievement prove that it was possible yeah uh. i think it's achievement i think it's something like this yeah uh i don't just the, the desire to do it you yeah. Like, he says sometimes, like, uh, he asks himself, like, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, And then he's just so happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, going through Amazon is a pretty, an, uh, it's a pretty harsh uh, journey to undertake, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, so if I, if I speak about this part yeah. uh, to begin with of his adventure... Uh, it's one of the toughest, but it's not the toughest. And I will let you guess later what was the hardest part mm. uh, of his trip. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, what is so hard in the Amazon is that you need to drink a lot. Yeah. Like he was drinking 14 liters of water per day. And so you need to carry all this water on your yeah. back. 14, yeah. uh, 14 liters is 14 kilos. Yeah. So it's uh, super heavy. And uh, in the Amazon, it's, you cannot sweat. It's always warm. You have dangerous mm. animals. You can get, uh, if you get cut, you get uh, infected right away. Yeah. Like, uh, can go very bad. But For he... example, he had to think when he was sleeping, he was putting a hammock between two trees. Mm -hmm. But he had to, to choose trees that were uh, too small for jaguar to mm. climb on them. Otherwise, the jaguar will attack him during his sleep. Yeah. Like, he has to pick a tree that the jaguar cannot put his arm around. Mm. I cannot grab onto like this. It will have like a small one. Oh, shit. Had to think about all the insects, about uh, everything. <laughs> and so, as well, one thing that he speaks a, a lot about is the fact that he feels um, very lonely. Mm. He misses uh, his family. And it's something he described in the book, but in the movie, when you see his face, you have uh, his friends and a whole uh, kind of camera team around him in the end. Mm -hmm. You can see how happy he is to just meet the people. It's, it's pure joy. It's nothing we experience on our daily uh, sleepy life. When you see the joy in his eyes, it's like, that's what humans could, could feel. And it's amazing to see that. <laughs> but, uh, see is, what I mean? Is, 
um, when he did he have like a guide through this Amazon or just everything by himself or how did he prepare for it? Uh, how did he prepare? I don't know exactly the preparation. He spent one year preparing, but I think it's mostly material stuff. He mm -hmm. needed to have the boat to know how they're going to bring the boat to this or this place, and having authorization, mm -hmm. lots of paperwork yeah. apparently, and a lot of problems with the military through the wall um, crossing. Yeah. Because sometimes he was crossing uh, countries that were a bit um, not at ease uh, socially, that were a bit having some revolution, and uh, the military was very present. Yeah. So sometimes people were saying, uh, you're a spy, you're a spy. Uh, he was getting put into prison for some days. Mm -hmm. Like That's in Congo, for example, I could imagine. Yeah, like when I, when he goes to Africa, that mm -hmm. was actually the toughest part. Mm -hmm. And he says something that marked me still, and I could kind of relate to when I was in Madagascar. He said, like, the dangerous part of his trip was not to be in the Amazonia. It wasn't that the most dangerous. The most dangerous one when there were humans around. Mm. They are the most dangerous because in Africa, humans were going to, to shoot him mm. so many times. Like he was coming to a, to a place and that's, the people were like, oh, you're a spy, you have to pay. Mm. And he say, I don't have money. He didn't have money. <laughs> so they, they didn't believe him. So they put him into jail for three days and then they realize he doesn't have money. They release him and say like, go. <laughs> and he, he goes 50 kilometers and bam, happens again. again. <laughs> So it took just so long, you know? Oh, yeah, but Africa it, is very particular in that way. Especially Congo is a very difficult area to travel through. Uh -huh. Very troubled uh, area. A lot of uh, guerrilla fighters and... Uh, exactly, yeah. And uh, what is it? Uh, like, it's also with Rwanda. No, not now with Rwanda anymore, but uh, it was around... Yeah, it's the same area as well. Uganda, Rwanda. I think... My, my, I don't even know if he crossed those countries, but... Uh, <laughs> but um, he, he tells a story and I'm gonna I wanted to keep it maybe for later but yeah. uh, I'm gonna tell it now that there was a guy uh, saying like uh, we're going to kill you in the morning and putting the, the gun on his face mm. and he was taking the gun and saying like I don't care anymore like shoot me now shoot me and you, you see when he described the moment when the guy said like don't get closer don't get closer and Michael on himself he's taking the gun putting it on his own face and be like I'm done now. Shoot me. It's fuck it. Like uh, it's too much. And they didn't shoot him right away, but they say uh, in the morning at six, we're going to kill you. Mm. And there is, then comes in a general that knew that uh, about his uh, story, that mm -hmm. knew he was crossing the country and was like, why is this guy in jail? And uh, they release him, of course. And my can say, well, you have your commandant right there that he has caused me some trouble. What they did, they take sticks and they start hitting the guy, hitting him like not gentle, you know, mm -hmm. very strong. And Michael only said, well, the guy died. They, they killed the guy in front of me. Like just, oh yeah, he did mistake. They take the stick, they kill him with sticks. Yeah. And he, he gave me such a weird feeling that from his story into Africa, I felt like there is really not the same value for life we have here that they have over there in the way that now, like, if one person dies, there's going to be so much put into it, you know, like, every life is so precious, so many uh, things can be done around a life, mm -hmm. and there, one person can be killed just like this. Yes, it is, unfortunately, in Africa. Well, in certain countries in Africa, or regions. Yeah. And uh, that's... It, it uh, felt like... Yeah, oh. well, I mean... Uh, <laughs> 
I've I could have seen I've seen that as well and and for me personally in South Africa when I was there and and some lives don't yeah you know, it's very little uh, unfortunately uh, there's a very little uh, authorities don't care much about certain minorities and yeah. uh, they get less uh, support than other uh, ethnic groups in the country or live in uh, situations where the government doesn't care about and the people have to come up with own solutions to able to survive. And one of them yeah. is uh, yeah, um, having their own kind of neighborhood watches and using uh, WhatsApp groups to make sure <laughs> that, uh, that maybe there's an intruder in the street and uh, do we know him? And if, if so, uh, he's from us or otherwise we're going to yeah, attack him or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah, make him new. Yeah, hmm. that's crazy. It's a, such a different life from the one we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he was saying like another thing that was very dangerous was just being in a city overall with all the cars. He said like I could get hit by a truck and then it would be the end of my expedition. <laughs> could end as fast as it started, just like this all the time. Wow. And and how i mean he did uh, sailing or was he uh, rowing through oceans or what did he do <laughs> he was sailing yeah <laughs> couldn't row through uh, the, the atlantic ocean well i mean uh, there are people who <coughs> went in and uh, uh with a kayak and crossed the, the atlantic for example for real yes of course whoa <laughs> okay Crazy humans. Oh, like, yes. What can we do for the kick? <laughs> I have no clue. But how we, because you mentioned 50 kilometers north and south from the equator. Mm -hmm. If you have a sailing boat, you're not, you're a little bit dependent on uh, on the wind, right? So how uh, does that work if the wind is not coming exactly from, from I don't know, how do you, do you, do you travel from the east to the west or west to the east? To the... Um... I don't know, from Congo towards uh, South uh, South America. Okay. So I guess yeah, that yeah. would be west, west to the east. Yeah. No, east, east to, to the, the west. west. Yeah, east to the west. So then he needs yeah. wind, wind from the east to mm -hmm. go to the west. Yeah. Well, from what I remember from the book, I don't think this was a big problem. Mm. Just like you know, the road was uh, decided, it went fine that way. It was actually with his boat, he had a tiny uh, trimaran. Yeah, we that was eight meter long, mm -hmm. like a very tiny boat to cross an ocean, <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he was going pretty fast, like faster than everyone said he could go. Mm -hmm. That was one thing I was really proud of. Like they say, I don't have the numbers in mind, but they say like max you could do twelve knots uh, at max. Mm -hmm. and it was like at eighteen knots. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, I don't so know. that's uh, that was a nice thing. That's. Uh, okay, and what was the biggest uh, challenge for him besides human interaction in doing this uh, travel for him? I feel like Amazonia was very tough, like mm. five months without the contact with the family. Like he really speaks about how much family is important for him because he had his uh, wife and two daughters. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was explaining how he prepared as well with them before leaving when he's still in uh, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. in Swiss yeah, in Switzerland. Um when uh, he has to put distance slowly with his family because he, he has to like have them not be so used of having him around. So for the daughter, we're really young. Mm. Uh, and at the same time, he, when he leaves, he wants it to be a, a good memory they share, not to leave when they're angry at each other, 
because if something happens to him, he doesn't want it to be the last feeling they have about him. No, no, true. And so like a uh, lot of uh, very important for uh, big importance of family. Uh, what did there was also a point of view for his uh, his wife in the book how she went through this period, or very little. Uh. Like we know that she's very sad and very very scared, and at some point she surprises him. He huh. didn't know she would come, and uh, she come with the daughter, and he's just like, oh! <laughs> it's pure pure maximum human feelings we see uh, in this book and in the movie as well. Huh. I like to to watch the movie afterwards because this documentary really have uh, such a '90s feeling. <laughs> it's like very uh, old school, you know, like uh, you. Can, Almost with the, the PowerPoint transition, like, <laughs> <laughs> but not, but the, the quality of the video is not the one we had, uh, we have now. Yeah. And I really love the, the, I'm a pretty nostalgical person sometimes. Oh. Because, uh, oh. <laughs> because, because the, wait, so when is it, when did this trip happen, actually? Uh, in, uh, from uh, 99 to uh, somewhere in the year 2000. Ah, okay. They yeah, okay back then. He started the second June of uh, 1999. Okay, so it was not really uh, was a kind of in the start of the internet era, but not so much like smartphones and uh, yeah other type of uh, communications like Skype or FaceTime or no Facebook was there. No, not yet. Maybe uh, Napster. What do you call it again? Napster or whatever. Yeah, not uh, all these things were there, <laughs> but uh, it was a cool way to go into the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he hasn't been so known, you know? It's like not everyone knows about it. I have a friend who knows about this guy. Oh. But it's uh, it's more or less it. And um, what I really like with this travel mm. is the fact that what, what I find so strong with this trip, with this trip, <laughs> is that he's just a normal man. He's mm. not a superhuman. Like when you see it or hear what he thinks, he is having all the problems you and I will have. Like if we decide to do it, we're in the same position as him. Mm. He doesn't have any uh, gifted power of God or anything. He's like strong, but like anyone could be. He's resistant, mm. like anyone could be. He's surrounded by friends, like anyone could be. Like he eats. There is. He's exceptional by the fact that he has done it, but by himself, he's just a normal man. Mm-hmm. And it's what like so attractive in as a thought, in a way, is that he he could be you, he could be me. Yeah. <laughs> he's the Batman. <laughs> well, that's well, that that is it not the case with every type of idol we have in mind. That I guess that's very true. Um, some kind of person we admire a lot or achieve something very big, but in the end of the day, uh, they are humans themselves as well with doubts and uh, moments of fear or moments of that they want to give up. or mm-hmm. um, And we think that they are... Uh, some, yeah, we only see the achievements and not everything what happens before or in be- uh, during the process or we yes. only we only get we only see this golden yeah we say the the, the golden uh, yeah we have the golden glass on and we only see what they achieved in the end without all the struggling and all the preparation and all the uh, mental exhausting what it was um, yeah 
And in the end, uh, also for the person itself, usually, when you went through all of this and you kind of achieve it, you already mostly forgot about it. You only think about, yeah, it was a very good time. And, you know, like, oh, the prison was not, oh, it, was, it was okay. And, uh, <laughs> but I guess <laughs> I think our mind can be very selective in these things, I think. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I guess it isn't, I don't know, maybe it's a certain way of our mind to to cope with oh yeah we only want to remember good stuff uh if you only oh but stuff how does it work i know we selective but do we remember only the good stuff yeah i think usually we uh, high idealize the past yeah or we um we acknowledge the yeah it was painful or suffering but in the end we say but it's like it was worth it or it was i would do it again if i had to do it uh if i had the same choice or something like that yeah, yeah. i learned something from it uh, so that's what uh, at least when you don't get killed have <laughs> something <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> then it's uh, the final lesson yes <laughs> <laughs> but i guess you learn a lot when you're supposed to go through the amazonia with your own machete uh, a bag that is 48 kilos heavy yeah and uh, you're, you're biking uh, on the road in the beginning and then you go through the forest like, okay, let's go. Chick, 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 chick. <laughs> Cutting with your machete. Uh, it's it's uh, for sure not for everyone the same type of uh, life approach, I would say, to achieve such... But it depends what you want, um, how big you want to f- uh, give these uh, goals in life, uh, like achievements. Uh, if everyone has a different type of what's you what's important to do in life and for I, for this i forgot his name actually what was his name again uh, mike horn. mike mike horn yeah he's such a cool name horn yeah but yeah, i i guess for him it's i don't know what his exactly reasons behind it to do these things maybe partially adventurous and partially mm. I, i'm also wondering uh, yeah how to deal with uh, yeah, the family situation because for me personally, tough. It was tough. Yeah, it can be also seen as, if you put it on another point of view, it could be very well, kind of selfish. You know, he just goes and uh, mm-hmm. leaves his wife and children for one and a half year alone. That's a pretty uh, extreme, yeah, very uh, extreme decision. Uh, I'm not sure how. It, I mean, yeah, in the end, probably everything is good and well it would turn out well for them but in Mm -hmm. the meantime it has a quite a large impact for his wife or even his children how yeah how how the father relates to them Uh, i don't know but they don't have the choice like their father is their father so (laughs) yeah but (laughs) until some years they don't have the choice but for the for the wife well it's it's sure that uh, not everyone is ready for such relationship (laughs) no and I, i bet they had a very tough tough uh, moments in between as well this is usually well, is the, yeah. in every no matter how good every relationship between people are one and a half year away apart is a very uh, very that's really difficult and uh, mm. and somehow life keep, keeps going and stuff on their side happens as well and then something serious happens and they he cannot be there to support or help out or uh I, yeah, it's uh, something 
yeah, that's kind of interesting how they could uh, work around it, I think. How they deal with it together, I hope. I it would be interesting to, to know, actually, yeah. yes, have the, the kind of the, the, the extra book, the tome number two could be the, the woman point of view. Yeah. Could be in history in itself, like how do you deal with the daily things? Yeah. How do you feel with what people ask you? So maybe people around you are like, oh, so great, your husband doing this, your husband doing that. Mm. And you think like, uh, well, fuckers, they don't know how it is for me to mm. go through this, that I have to stay home and take care of the daughters without their dad. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm happy for him and I, and I choose that man, but uh, yeah. not easy. Yeah, just uh, Maybe uh, she would just only prefer to have like a house... Uh, husband <laughs> so, uh, we know yeah, for cooking for about cleaning that, so. yeah so <laughs> i it may, it's actually kind of interesting like uh, as well like these type of stories i mean i think i see where you're going now but uh, no do. <laughs> i mean these type of stories are uh, wondering how many women are actually do this type of uh, adventure i mean probably there are but adventurous women yeah and uh, yeah that's true you always hear a lot of the um, male men uh traveling around do something awesome stuff because i think with these adventures it's mostly men that do it yeah but i think i i, I feel like there is not as many women doing it and even if we had more women story doing it i still think there wouldn't be as many women doing it i think mm. there is something deeply i will i will dare the word biological <laughs> in the fact that even in other species the men tend to be or the the male tend to be more roaming, to, to cover more land, to usually to get uh, either resources or other uh, female. Mm. And this is like just uh, something that is uh, written into us. So it, when it comes to an extreme point, when the guy feels the need to go around the world, why would you go around the world? Just just because, just mm. because it's a feeling inside that, that goes to the instinct. Yeah. But I'm wondering how it really is in these days. I know, like, in a, sometimes I'm following some climbing uh, documentaries or uh, photographs, and I know there's a lot of female climbers as well, and they do mm-hmm. pretty cool stuff uh, them, themselves as well. Uh, but I actually, but if I just try to think about who, what type of people are kind of you know, famous, but more well-known in the society of these type of adventures, it's... Usually it has been a, a male, and and I'm wondering, yeah, it could be just interesting to see or to know, yeah, the female, yeah, female uh, point of view of it. Uh, for example, okay, maybe I have a little one because okay. in Holland there was an, a while ago uh, this 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 girl actually who wanted to sail around the world. And uh, she was a very young girl. Yeah, she was under age as well. Fourteen. She was like fifteen or sixteen back then, or whatever. I think I heard about her. There was a whole discussion around it because, uh, because according to Dutch law, she was uh, also uh, obliged to go to school, to high school. And (laughs) by doing yes, exactly (laughs) by by doing saying this world, she basically could not go to school, and she had to do distance schooling. Uh, <laughs> and which is nowadays even very common, but uh, with Corona crisis. But I think yeah, that, like, in, back in that day, it was not such, such a, a normal thing to do. She is a pioneer. <laughs> oh yes, but yeah, somehow there was a whole that even 
uh, they had to go to court uh, that she was not allowed to go where she wanted to do like the sailing and in the end she she went uh, for her world trip from new mm-hmm. zealand all the way around uh, the the globe and and in the end she did it uh, actually did not i i I don't know the whole story around it, but I only remember this about her. So yeah, there are apparently two uh, females and even very young uh, two, uh, females who do this type of adventures. So yeah, this is extra extreme, like fourteen years old. Even for the now, we can see, think what the parents think because probably they train her and probably they're very much sailors themselves for yeah. the child that young to be so interested into it. Yeah. But still, even though they train her and even though they're very much into it, they are leaving their child on his own to do a, a potentially a deadly trip. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the same situation more or less as, uh, yeah, you, the, the, the story of, uh, shit, Mike Horn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mike Horn. <laughs> 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 and his wife. And, uh, yeah, but of course now this kid, this kid is uh, she was underage as well, and so there there's some type of parent um, authority around it uh, for telling what what she should do or what not. It's really mm. it's a really difficult question. Uh, how to well, I wanted it. to say that What's if um, our listener want to send us on the email address we put in mm-hmm. the description of every episode. If they want to send us example of um, female adventurers, uh, oh, we're yeah. curious about it I think to I... see if we if I am just biased and I just don't hear about them, or if it seems that there are less. Please send it to us. Yes, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I uh, found the name of the the name of the girl. See her name it was uh, Laura Decker. Laura Decker. Laura Decker. That's precisely what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But yeah, that's so cool. But just to finish on uh, my corn yes. very quickly, uh, like uh, there are a lot of uh, pure moments of adventure that I uh, haven't really covered, but I can go through them uh, very quick. For example, at some point in the Amazonia, he, cr- he crossed by some people living inside the, the Amazonia mm-hmm. and he exchanged a front lamp against a pierogi. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah, a, a tiny boat. Yeah. Because um, they they hunt the fish with a, with a spear, mm. and so they have to hold the lamp in one hand and the spear in the other one. But if they have a front lamp, mm. it's so much better for them. Yeah, front lamp. You mean uh, the lamp on your forehead, right? Yeah. I mean, you made a nice gesture to put your hand on your, your forehead, <laughs> but for the listeners, a little bit more difficult to understand. It. <laughs> How do you say? I think it's um, uh, uh, hat torch. Head torch. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And uh, at some point, when he when he arrives as well, uh, his friends give him some biscuits, chocolate biscuit, like the most basic thing, mm. some cookie, as you would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just so happy to eat that after five years in the jungle. Five years, five months. Oh, you're a marvel. Yeah. <laughs> there is a point as as well when he's um, on on the boat and he's sailing for two days with his friend um, behind besides him. And at some point, they throw beer to him and he catches it and he's like, oh, fresh beer. Oh, he's just making happy noises. This you see in the movie. Oh, like at One thing that I found very cool is when he's in South America, he was biking a lot. And uh, you have a lot of people that just like bike with him for like 20 kilometers just, just to be with him, just to share some moments with him. They just bike with him. And uh, then they let him go for the rest of his trip. Mm. 
but I found that so cool. Like people in the end, when it started to be a bit famous, they wanted to participate in mm -hmm. the trip. Yeah. Uh, that was quite cool. So yeah, adventure happens still. This guy is still alive. He's still going strong. Um, he's not so young anymore, but uh, I think he's just like still the, the beast is still there. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't have any specific conclusion. No. Just wanted to share this uh, adventure yeah. with you guys, but just you um, people. Just a life story from someone, which is always exactly. nice to, to share sometimes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, I was really happy to discuss with you, Sander, you? today. I agree. I get very, uh, what you say, almost antsy to go out in the nature and go on my own adventure. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> Now is the time of the year, it's the summer, so it's when uh, we go on hikes. Yes, exactly, and maybe sleeping out outdoors. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, so I will see you next week. Yep. Because we are staying in our homes. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, have a good time. Yeah, you too. Hello. Hello.